0: I could stay awake just to hear you breathe. That is my Stephen Tyler impression. Welcome back everybody. I don't know what that was. I don't know anything. Like like I don't know what well, I don't know anything. I'm very aware of that. I'm very open about that. Very honest about that. I I I literally do not know much of anything. As I believe most of us don't. I believe everybody is just making up excuses and anyways, I feel like I've talked about this at least once on the podcast, but I feel like it's definitely something that comes up multiple times. something I'm passionate about. It's a belief I have. However, that's why I have people on that can definitely make me feel like they know what the fuck they're talking about. So I, uh, I am, Ooh, that sounded very grudge like, didn't it? Uh, anyways, I am very excited for this episode, so let's just skip the bullshit. Let's get right into this ad so we can get into the the juicy part of this episode. Ad in 5, 4, 3, 2, 2.5. No, wait, hold on. That doesn't make sense. 5, 4, 3, 2, one. There we go. It's done. Thank you for supporting the podcast. I hope you listen to that ad. Maybe you can use that service. I don't know. I don't know. And the reason I don't tell you what the service is, this is a fun little behind the scenes thing here because the sponsor can change, right? Like I could get a new sponsor and I have to implement it into the particular episode. So I don't want to directly say what the the sponsor is because it might not be that sponsor that plays. You, like, you know what I'm saying? So I hope you check out that service. I hope you check out that sponsor. It could definitely be something worth your while. Having said that, I am really excited for you guys to hear this episode with Brianna Lightfoot Smith, who is the founder of Black Girls with Purpose, and uh, this is a, a movement. It's a uh, it, it's a movement that creates space for women of color to connect, but it goes beyond that. You know it 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 that was its that was its initial creation. Um, mission That's, you know, that's really what it was designed for initially, but I think it, I think it transcends that. And, uh, Brianna is, uh, a sweetheart of a woman. Uh, I reached out to her and I was like, look, I want to get you on here. I want to share your story. I want you to do what you do best. And she did. She did a hundred percent. I can definitely tell you that. And, um, her podcast Black Girls with Purpose podcast is an extension of this movement, and uh, her book, The Black Girl's Guide to Living on Purpose, is uh, something that you should definitely check out if, when you listen to this episode, you love and you you really connect with and you relate to what Brianna is talking about, definitely go check out this book. So I'm going to stop talking because I feel like we need to just get right into this. So please put your hands together for the incredible Brianna Lightfoot-Smith. And just like that, Brianna Lightfoot Smith, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Awesome, and you are uh, just to make sure I understand, you're in uh, New Orleans, correct?
1: I'm in Dallas, but I started my organization in New Orleans. Oh,
0: okay, gotcha, gotcha. So now you're in Dallas. Yes. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, and I, okay. So I was doing a little bit of research, and I think this is the best place to uh, kick us uh, kick this podcast off, and. Um, I was scrolling through your website yesterday, and I came across, um, I think it's in your about section, or it's, it's in uh like the meet you as a person section. And mm-hmm. um, you have a quote that's kind of uh, in bold text that really stands out. And it says, at 15 years old, I contemplated suicide uh, for the first time. And um, I know it's a dark place to start. But I feel like this is like, correct me if I'm wrong, this is really sort of the the uh the beginning of this journey with uh, Black Girls with Purpose.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's not and it's not a dark place at all. Honestly, I I am really proud of being able to overcome that and I'm also proud of the the Capability to share that story because some people have those thoughts and they don't come back from them right. Like you, you know, they, there's a a note that's left and people have no idea that they were even contemplating suicide. And so, uh, I always share uh, when I whenever I talk about the testimony that I had a very um, traditional upbringing. I didn't deal with a lot of hardships that people I know have faced. And so for me, there was a shame in feeling like I wanted to end my life because I thought, well, you have this family that loves you. You know, you're raised in the church. How can you have this desire to end your life? But it wasn't really something I could nail down necessarily. And it really did lead me on this journey to Kind of figure out like what is life even about, like what does it mean.
0: So there's so, so there's really no one uh, trigger moment for you that you can really uh, figure out and 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 look back on and go this is this is probably why.
1: Oh yes, there there definitely are. It's smaller things, right? So when I say I didn't have a huge traumatic experience, it wasn't like okay, I witnessed someone close to me die at a young age, or I was abused or anything. But when I when I look at it, and it's, it's funny that you're asking me this because only a few weeks ago did I realize that I directly attribute the thoughts that I had to not having the right kind of community. So I was in a friendship at the time when I was young and this, this person i had been friends with since I was maybe five years old. But when I look back at it, I realized that it was an abusive relationship. And a lot of times when people think about, you know, abusive relationships, they think about a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, but this was a friend and she was verbally abusive. Um, She would speak down on me a lot. She would tell me how, you know, stupid, or she would call me on my name or, She made me feel like I had to earn her friendship. It was a very manipulative relationship. And she even had me in situations where I was lying to my parents for her. I mean, it just was a really bad situation. And so when someone who is this close to you doesn't have really good things to say about you, it can really change your perception of yourself. And I share, whenever I work with teenagers now, You know, a lot of their reality is split between school and home, right? And so if school is 50% of your reality, if things aren't going well at school, then it doesn't matter how well things are going on at home. Cause you're just thinking like, wow, wow, this, this is like, an, this is eclipsing everything that's good in my life. And the, the ironic part is that this friend didn't even go to school with me, but I didn't have a ton of friends at school. And so her friendship Like I said, it was it eclipsed my entire um, experience with friendships, and even the few friendships I had, I feel like she was even manipulative in those and making me feel guilty if I hung out with friends that weren't in that same friend circle that we had together.
0: And what grade was this again? This was.
1: I mean, we like I said, we were friends since we were five because we were in girl scouts together but during when i was 15 i was about the 10th grade
0: okay so right around the high school kind of that's that's really interesting that 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 you bring that up because um i just recently actually went through something where i was trying to uh figure out what like and it was a friend it and I really love that point that you make that most people think of, you know, abusive relationships and they don't think of you could be abused or not. Like you could even just like not feel a hundred percent with, with a friend. And, uh, uh, just recently went through something like that, where I had a friend in my life that I, you know, at one point was really close with and whatnot, but I saw the, uh, the toxicity in Mm -hmm. the relationship and, and, uh, so I, you know, I'm 27 now. So I, I, I made that decision. I was like, all right, look, I need. I think we need to to draw a line here because yeah. I just don't feel like you and I are, are, uh, are good for each other. You know, mm-hmm. as as bad as that was to say, I, I honestly think we're doing each, like each other a favor. So um, I
1: agree.
0: You know, for you, but like for you to go through that at such a young age and then you contemplate suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, was it? Was it one time that you did it, or was it like a bunch of times, but that was like your first real vivid memory of it? That was the
1: first time. Yeah, that was the first time. But honestly, I I dealt with those thoughts over the course of the next several years. Um, I remember, my mom would always come in my room and i never shared with her i never said verbatim i'm thinking about killing myself but um i would just sit in my room and the 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 blinds would be drawn and she would just come and sit in there with me and i remember one day she came and she sat on the edge of my bed and she said brie this is not the end of your story she said i wish I could tell you all the wonderful things that God has planned for you. I wish I could tell you, you know, this is where you're going to be, this is these are the places you're going to travel. She says, "I have no idea, baby. I don't know what he has for you, but I know it's going to get better than this." And what I found so profound is that she was saying this not even knowing where I was. Mentally, she could just tell that I was unhappy. And I remember Even as I got older, when I finally shared with her that I that I was suicidal as a teenager, she was completely shocked. And just, you know, the same thing like you said, She just like, well, what was going on? What made you feel that way? And I remember thinking to myself whenever she would say this isn't the end of your story, even though it would seem my life would seem so dark and I would feel so hopeless. There was a part of me that thought, well, what if she's right? You know, what if life does get better than this? Do I really want to take the risk of missing out on what could be? The best, you know, these these relationships that I I haven't I have I I don't know what a healthy friendship looks like, but what if I could get these healthy friendships? Or, you know, I don't know what a healthy relationship looks like, but what if I could experience that? Is it is is the darkness that I'm experiencing now really so dark that I'm going to allow it to snuff out the light for my future and? every time, like every single time that I would think about taking my life, I would think of those words that she says, this is not the end of your story. And those are actually the words that are on the back of my book, The Black Girl's Guide to Living on Purpose, because I I want somebody to be able to read that and think, oh, you know, really? This is, life can get better than this. And what's so amazing about that, Eddie, is that it's also for the good side of things, that even your best day is not the end of your story. Life can get even better than your best day, you know?
0: I love it because I hear like just the, like the passion and like just just the, 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 uh, like you were kind of talking kind of, kind of quietly there at the beginning. And then as you got to the end, like there, you like, I just like you, like you just got louder. And like, it's, that's the, that's the driving force that I can tell is really empowering, you know, what you believe in. Did your mom, like when you told her this, did, 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 did your mom feel at all guilty that she never really saw like signs
1: I think every family member or friend does feel some sense of guilt in just in feeling like they should have noticed something. But I think it also is the responsibility seems like a strong word, but I just know that from someone who is on that other side of it, like we have to be willing to share. And so people can only give advice on what they know. And so if they know that you're sad, then they're just giving you advice from, okay, she's sad. what are some things that will help a person who's sad? But that's very different than while they're thinking about taking their life. And so for me, you know, I, and that's why I said, even at the beginning, that I'm so open to saying, no, I did contemplate suicide because it helps me to Whenever I enter a room and when I back when I used to have speaking engagements all the time, I would start with that story because that immediately breaks the ice. Right. If if I say, hey, I thought about killing myself when I was 15, then anyone in the room who's thought about that thinks, oh, wow. okay, so we're just going to jump right in. And I remember even sharing that, I think, last year at my church and with the youth ministry that I help with now. And I remember one of the girls, she came up to me after and she said, so. You know, what was similar to what you said? What was going on that made you think about killing yourself? And I said, well, you know, I was, I didn't really have the great, greatest friendships and I felt lonely and felt like people didn't understand me. And, and so I just, you know, she's just paying attention and she's kind of nodding her head. And so then that opened the door for me to say, well, have you ever thought about suicide? And she said, well, yeah. She said, I actually had an attempt. And she went to the hospital. Like they literally had to resuscitate her. And so for me... You know, getting to share that, I think it's it's important because I want people to share. I want them, if they're even in that moment, for them to be able to say, okay, here, here's what's going on with me, not from a place of I want to make this person feel guilty or I want them to feel like, well, they should be doing something more, but especially if they're in a situation where they are a young adult or a high schooler or a middle schooler. They have to be able to share those things to get their access to resources, whether it be getting paired with a counselor or a mentor or just even being paid, being, um, paid more attention to, you know, I feel like especially nowadays, everybody's on their phones, people are just closed up in their rooms. And so people don't think anything of a teenager that's in their room because They're just like, oh, you know, adolescence, that kind of thing. But when you know that these things are going on, it helps you as the adult or the caretaker to pay more attention. And again, like I said, I don't think it's, I think everyone feels guilt because you think, oh man, I should have done something. But I know as a person on the other side of it, there's not necessarily anything you can do if you don't know.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, well, very true, very true, yeah, and, but you bring up a good point where you're saying that we're, and you can maybe talk about this, because I don't know how mm-hmm. familiar you are, like, familiar you are with, uh like, the, like, suicide rates and whatnot, but mm-hmm. I would, I would just imagine that if you were to look at, let's say, uh, a graph of, breaking it down decade by decade Mm -hmm. this this is probably 2010 to 2019 or 2020 whatever you want to call it I would imagine it's probably the highest rate in terms Mm -hmm. of of uh teens in specific like you said Mm -hmm. like that like that high school uh middle ground there that 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 are committing suicide and is that something that that you kind of believe in as well? Like that's sort oh, of the yeah. demographic? It's,
1: it's, it's uh, the, the latest study, cause I, I pay attention to it a lot just cause it's so close to my testimony. Um, suicide is the second leading cause of death uh, for young people ages 10 to 24. And I can't remember what the first cause is but I know this it's the second leading cause of death. And that's been the case for several years. and. You know, what always breaks my heart is that most times people had no idea. People had no idea they were thinking that way. Again, they just kind of chopped up the them isolating themselves to adolescence or or we are or we also were just really good at putting on a good face. I mean, social media shows us that I, I I had a friend who posted a really beautiful, awesome picture. And I'm just like, yes, girl, you better live your best life. And I reached out to her. Just because, you know, seeing her picture put her on my mind and she texted back and said, thank you so much for reaching out. I'm not okay." And I'm thinking like, wait, what? I thought you, you know, I thought everything was popping according to your Instagram. And here I come to find out you're not doing all right. And so it's just so important to check on people and to not make assumptions based off of what you see on social media or even what they're telling you. You know, you really have to be able to have that kind of discernment that's able to sift between what they're saying and what they really mean. And of course you wanna think, oh, well, if we're that close, should I really have to do all of that? But if you really care about that person, you're willing to put in that extra work and just be like, okay, I know you're saying you're okay, but are you really okay? And if they really are okay, they'll be like, yes, girl, get on my face. Or yes, guy, like, okay, we're cool. Please stop talking to me, you know? But if they're not, they even if they don't open up with you in the moment, they will have a they will remember you that you're the person that they can come to. And they'll be like, you know what? Stuff's not going right. Eddie checked on me two weeks ago. I lied and told him that everything was OK. It wasn't. But now I feel like I can reach out to him because he's already created this level of trust, you know, and, and, and has shown me that he really cares about me for me. Not because he's trying to get something or because he's trying to be in my business, but because he cares about my well-being.
0: Yeah. Very true. Do you think like some people, uh, like, have you ever had an experience where you found, like you asked someone, Hey, are you doing okay? And they potentially got offended or, uh, like, like, is that something that has like ever oh, for come across? Sure. Off?
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Cause, and I am, any of my friends will tell you, I'm the nosy friend and okay. <laughs> I kind of struggle with boundaries <laughs> because I, and I guess it's part of, it's partially because of, of, the things that I've struggled with, you know, and because I do know it's easy to put on a front. And so I think that is why sometimes they like, no, Brie, for real, you got to chill. And I'm like, Oh, sorry. I thought, I just was trying to make sure because I know you said you were okay, but like, I just didn't know. And, and even one of my friends here in, in Dallas, um, i think of her more like a sister and and she has a blood sister so i think of her as my sister but her her blood sister and i will call some t- college each other and say hey have you talked to sophia today like, like no okay well and, and i'll be quick to be like okay i'm about to get in the car and drive by and before i can even do it sophia calls like hey no don't don't come over i'm fine i'm like okay because you know i was already about <laughs> to get on i-20 and just roll up and say okay so what's happening so why aren't you answering your phone
0: so you're that kind of person that's willing to drop anything that you're doing. Like if I someone know. were to, if, if someone were to say, look, Bree, I, today is not doing it for me. And yeah. you would be there in a heartbeat
1: i would i would and this is not even just a local thing i mean i had a friend i have a friend who um, lives in houston or she is from houston and we had a situation where where it was like a brief falling out and my husband will tell you i was i was like okay well i guess you know we were driving home for the holidays i was like we're gonna have to stop through houston on the way there because i just got to make sure we're good and i ended up talking to her mom and she's like baby i don't really think now's a good time (laughs) you know i'll keep you updated but i really don't think now is a good time and so i said okay but it's just i care so deeply about the people in my life and i always want them to know how i feel about them and even that is rooted in the fact that i um one of my best friends died when i was 11 years old and this was even this was obviously before the the suicide but she um she died from an asthma attack And it was me and her and my best friend, Ashley. And I remember sitting, her name was Michelle. And I remember sitting in Michelle's room at the age of 11 and just thinking, how am I 11 and I have a best friend who died. And then thinking right behind that, I hope, did she really know how much I cared about her? And so I do the most now to show people how much I care about them because I never want to have to ask myself that question that I had to ask myself at the age of 11 and thinking, did this person know how deeply that I cared for them, you know?
0: Yeah, wow. Jeez. So she was the same age as you, 11? Yes, she was 11. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: and I can still remember it was a Sunday, I believe, and I remember sitting in my parents um living room and them coming into the room and saying, you know, hey Brie, we gotta tell you something. Um Shayla died this morning. And I'm just I just remember looking at them and thinking, like, what? <laughs> I don't I don't really understand.
0: What do you mean she died? Um but you understood what death meant, right? Yes. Yes, okay. I did.
1: I did it when it, and that's what's, that's what's so interesting is that I was so, I was young, but I wasn't naive, I guess. Um, and I, I just didn't expect it to hit me so soon. Right. You know, you don't think death is when you're young, death is something for older people, but the more I live, the more I see it's, it's, it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't matter if you're you're young or if you're old, you're black, you're white, you're in America, you're in the Philippines. I mean, it's just, it's just something that happens to everybody. And so, because I knew it was this definite and is this definite thing, I think it just, it compels me to live differently because I tried to live in such a way where first, like I said, everyone in my life knows how much I love them. And then, of course, as a Christian, that they know that God loves them. But then I also want to live in such a way where if I take my final breath right now, I'm okay with it, right? I don't feel like I have all these things that I left undone. And sometimes it's a sometimes I overdo it because I am like, I gotta make sure I get all these things done. I I don't want to leave anything undone. And so there's a trust part that comes in too and saying, okay, Brie. If you wake up every day, be praying, say, God, order my steps, show me what you deem a priority today. And you do those things. If everything doesn't get done, then you have to get to a point where you trust everything you were supposed to do today. You did. And anything that didn't get done, you know, someone else is going to be in in the when I do pass away. God is going to raise somebody else up to finish the stuff that I that I wasn't able to complete. You know, and that's it's just I, I don't live my life as if I'm irreplaceable. I try to live in such a way where I'm doing the best that I can do with what I've been given, but I'm also positioning people around me to be able to make an impact in where they are and where they live.
0: And that's great. And, and uh, we can kind of segue now if you want to. um, So that's sort of the beginning part of your story. And then um, at what point do you, so you write the book first. That's the first thing that comes with yes. with Black Girls with Purpose. Yes. Okay. And that's at what age? So you're at 15. You have the the suicidal thoughts, and now what age are you when you write the book?
1: I was I'm trying to make sure I remember this correctly because it's been so so much has happened. Uh, 24. Yes, 24. Because I wrote the book in 2016.
0: Okay. So you write the book with the intention of getting it published so that it reaches people or that's the crazy
1: part, Eddie. I did not even want to write a book. I um, was writing. So my dream since I was six years old was to write for essence magazine, because I loved seeing women of color on the covers of this magazine and reading their stories. And so that was my goal from the age of six all the way up until 22. And I was writing an article for, uh, a magazine geared towards teenagers. And it was about self-love. And um, as I'm writing the article, God's like, this is a book. And I'm like, What is a book? And he said, yeah, it's a book. And so I said, okay, what's it called? And I promise you, just this, the, the just so as quick as I can ask, he's like the Black Girls Guide to Living on Purpose. I said, see, that's where you're wrong because I'm not trying to be you know, this black activist. I don't want anybody looking at me and saying, well, why isn't it the white girls guys living on purpose? Why isn't it the Hispanic girls guys? I said that, you know, it was really at the the pinnacle of the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, Trayvon Martin had just had been, Mike, Mike Brown. And so I just thought, God, I really am not trying to make people feel isolated or alienated. And he, I just felt like he was just saying, Brie, just trust me. If I've given you the name, it's going to be a success. And so I said, okay, fine. It's going to be called the black girls guides living on purpose. What's it going to be about? And as quickly as I say that I he, like, he gives me all 15 chapters of the book. And so we're going to break it down into, th- it was, he's, he's like, okay, we're going to break it down into three sections, how to position yourself for your purpose how to uh, or how to prepare for your purpose, how to position yourself for pr- your purpose, and how to perform your purpose. And we're going to look at these different areas of your life, your physical life, your spiritual life, your emotional life, your recreational life. And we're going to break down all the areas and say, okay, here's how you can live purposefully in each of these areas. Because the problem that I had, which is what tied back to the suicidal thoughts as a teen, I always looked at God as this being that you hung out with at church on Sunday. And then the rest of the week, you just kind of figured it out on your own. And in living that way, it caused me to deal with a lot of things and carry a lot of the weight that I wasn't even designed to carry. Like scripture talks about not worrying about tomorrow for tomorrow worry about itself sufficient for each day is its own trouble. And scripture talks about how we're supposed to cast our cares on God for He cares for us. But I wasn't really hearing any of that. Cause I was just like, okay, again, Sunday, Sunday school, And then I'll figure it out myself. And so, with this book, I said, you know what? I want to show these girls, because it was geared towards girls, I want to show them that God wants to be in every area of our life. And so, when I set out to write the book, again, strictly out of obedience, not even trying to get it published. And even when I finished it, Eddie, I thought to myself, I said, okay. I was like, God, I wrote it. Now we could just keep it between me and you. (laughs) We don't have to tell anybody. This could just be like a really long blog post that will just stretch out over the course of the next several years. And he was like, girl, really? You're just going to write this and then not do anything with it? And so I reached out to one of my friends from college because I knew that he had I believe he had published a book of poetry at that point. And so I reached out to him and I wanted to hear the differences between doing self-publishing and traditional publishing, you know, timeline, cost, that kind of thing. And when I tell you this man broke it down verbatim, he said, "Here's here are the pros and cons of each. Here's how much this is going to cost, you know, here's what the timeline you'd be looking at and what made me go the self-publishing route is he said okay Bree if you go the traditional publishing route you're going to have to probably edit a lot of the things out of your book and the timeline may be like 2 to 3 years and i thought uh no people need this right now <laughs> I don't, like i don't know if it's going to be relevant in 2 to 3 years and if this is if this is a book that i really believe is going to help change the trajectory of women's lives and young girls' lives. I can't wait until they get 18 because at that point, three years of damage has been done if they start thinking of suicide as early as I did. And so I said, okay, we're going to do the self-publishing route. And so I went through, um, I, our church at the time had a directory of different businesses and so I looked through the directory and found an editor and she had just a flat rate i think she caught charge me per page to edit the book and so I had her edit it for me and then I went through create space to which is now kindle direct publishing because we know amazon's taking over the world um so we I went through create space and I had my friend help me design the book cover and that was it i mean it was the book co- took me seven months to write. Once I finished writing it and went through edits, I think I finished everything in November and the book was up on Amazon to purchase in January.
0: Wow. That's crazy. And what was it like when you, like, what was it like when you, what was more exciting? Was it more exciting knowing that you finished the book or was it more exciting knowing that, all right, now that the book is where it's at and you feel complete about it, Um, And now you have this this opportunity to get it out there. Mm. Was that more exciting to know that all right now it's anybody that finds this they can have it and you feel as though you've, uh, you know, at least checked off one of your boxes.
1: It was a mix. If I'm gonna be honest, I mean, if there was a, there was definitely. I remember. I, I mean, I can literally feel it because I got the matte cover because I just really like matte things. <laughs> and so I remember getting the book because they send you a proof and getting it and holding it in my hands and thinking to myself, "Wow, I wrote a book. <laughs> what? <laughs> I wrote a book." And I remember I was sitting, and this was me and my my husband and I were. Yeah, because I finished the book before we even got married. We were engaged, but we had, hadn't even gotten married yet. And so I remember sitting in his car and holding it and him saying, like, well, what do you want to do? And I think we went and got an <laughs> x or something. And I was like, wow, OK, I have a book. Awesome. And then I went through it and found all the typos and stuff and said, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad I didn't just release this yet because there's still a lot that needs to be edited. But. I actually had a panic moment because I went and so I did the, like I said, self-publishing and I actually had people pre-order the book um, to kind of build some buzz around it. And I remember saying, you know, if I can sell 25 copies, I'll be so excited. And I ended up pre-selling 50. And so I was in the process of signing these books to people and preparing to ship them out. And it just hit me. I said, bro, wait, I wrote a book and people bought it. And I just said, what if it's not good? Like, they're going to say, what? Why is free? what What in the world made this, made this girl write a book? Who told her she was the author? Did it, you know, and, then, and all these thoughts came into my mind. But I just, I had to go back to what God had told me in the very beginning. If I gave it to you, it's going to be a success. And not a success from the standpoint of you're going to make a bunch of money off of it. Because I think any author will tell you. And I remember someone telling me that in the beginning, and I can't, oh yes, it was one of my mentors at the time. She said, Bree, if you're getting into this to make money, you get don't out. need to, yes, <laughs> don't do it, don't do it. You will probably spend more than you make, especially with your first one. Cause you're printing, you know, you're paying to get it printed. You're paying for any kind of publicity that you do any, I remember doing a book launch. I had to pay for the part, you know, I had to pay for the food venue and stuff like that. And so she was like, if you're getting in, into it for the money, Don't do it, but. Going back to the success piece, for me, success looks like being obedient to God and what he's telling me to do. And success also looks like having an impact on people. And so my thought process was, if I can impact one girl who might be contemplating suicide, or maybe she's not, but she just has no idea what on earth she's here for, then I feel like that's a success. And so that's what gave me the push to continue to sign those books and ship them out and say, I have no idea how people are going to receive this, but obedience is my job and the outcome is God's. (laughs)
0: and and since that time if you were to put a like an estimate on it um like assuming that you know how Mm -hmm. many how many of these books have you been able to to give away because I assume like you do uh public speaking so I assume when you do these public speakings you you bring a bunch of these books with you
1: yeah I think I've probably sold at least a thousand books Um, over the past four years and what's crazy is that like you said you don't really keep track of it because from the kindle direct side i'm just ordering copies right i have an event i'm ordering copies for the event i sell out the event then i get some more and so i think i i did a um i did a report once. And I was like, wait, I saw how many books? Because I'm just looking, you know, it it starts out as orders of 50. You do orders of 50, even if you do 10 orders of 50, that's 500. And it's like, well, you're ordering more because you sold them. So yeah, I mean, it's been over a thousand books over the course of the last few years. And I think what's trippy to me is I was somewhere, I can't remember where I was. And I shared my name with somebody and they said, Oh, I read your book. And I just thought, What?
0: That's crazy. I
1: was like, You did what? Like, how (laughs) do you, what do you mean? You know, because it's not, when you self publish, this is not like traditional publishing. And even traditional publishing is not what you think traditional publishing is. Because even when I, because my second book, Walking on Water, I thought that was a traditional publishing route. And I thought that went with like, okay, you get an advance on these books, you know, and people were going to put it on these, in all these stores. And even that is not the same. Like I had to pay to get my book traditionally published. And so just to think about that, when I looked at the fact that this person I'd never met read my book, I'm just thinking like, wait, what? And it just, it it went back to what God was saying in the beginning. He's like, I'm the one who's putting you in the room. I'm the one who's getting these these books to different people. I remember being at a college campus and another, a similar situation. A girl was like, oh, did you write that book? Yeah, I read that. It's on this email list. Me and my family have this email list and we just send out different books that people should read. And so they put that on there and I read it and I'm just thinking, wait, I don't, go back to the part where you said my book was on some email list with your family. You know, it just, it's just crazy because um, you just think, like me you're reading something that I wrote and it's funny too being being with different people who have read the book and they'll say oh yeah and you and your husband you met at Mizzou right and you do this and I'm thinking why do you know my life and I'm like oh wait I, yeah I put that in the book so yeah you would know that you know so it's just it's such a it's such a crazy experience but it's amazing. I really love it. And I love writing, which is why I went to Mizzou to, and pursued journalism. And, and like I said, was I thought I was going to be writing for Essence magazine and telling stories. But I tell my own story. And then even through the Black Girls of Purpose podcast, get to tell other stories of, of women and, and their journey to get where they are. And so it's just so funny how you you do this one thing thinking that's all it's going to be. And then it turns into all these other things.
0: Well, let's be real. If Essence called, you would be there.
1: <laughs> I know it's like, yeah, I might, I might, there might be some. I'm I'll be like, yeah, let me let, okay, so what comes with this package? You know what I mean? Uh, because and I do want to, I do want to live in Atlanta eventually, which is where they're they're headquartered. Um, but it's so funny, even with that, Eddie in 2018. And th- this is on our website as well. But in 2018, I actually got to partner up with Essence to do a workshop for teenage girls on entrepreneurship. And so I was just like, bro, really? Like, you can't make this stuff up. The no, you can't, you can't write a story better than this. It just, it just, it's just trippy how you how God just weaves all these things together. He's like, Yeah, I know you want to work with Essence. Here you go. You want us to write about them. I'm gonna have you, I'm gonna have them write about you. You know, it's just it's just crazy.
0: So when you make this book and you get it out in the world, do you now do sort of like a, um, like a self kind of tour? Like you have to take it around or?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. yeah? Yeah. I mean, I, I had a little bit of a. I had a different path because the same year that I released the book, I got pregnant. <laughs> and I mean, that 2016 was nuts when I look back at it. I got, I wrote my first book. I got married. Then uh, within six months of getting married, got pregnant. That same month that I got pregnant, I started doing book signings and was getting invited places to speak. And it just was, it was nuts. And the, but then when I had my baby, it's like, okay, pump the brakes. You gotta come and chill and be with this baby for a little bit. And I, I tell people all the time, I wasn't really trying to hear that. I said, wait, no, hold on. Like I, I, I always tell people, I feel like the black girls got to living on purpose it was my firstborn, <laughs> before my sons. Um, I said, I was like, that was my girl before my boys, and I just feel like. I felt like I had that baby and then I had to abandon her to take care of my my actual children, you know, and I just, so it, it feels like even now, just now, like within the last year, I've been able to go back to my firstborn and kind of get back to, okay, let's do some events. Let's do these different things because I was really, I had this fear that, By being a mom, I was going to lose myself, and that all the dreams that I had for this book and for this ministry were just going to kind of fall to the wayside. Like, okay, well, that was cute, but now you're a mom. And um, it's funny because I remember when I was younger, always being like, I'm not going to be no stay at home mom. Like, I got to be out here. I got to hustle. I got to grind. I got to do all this stuff. And for the most part that's what i've been for the past few years is a woman who stays at home and takes care of her children and make sure they have i mean even before we got on right i said i gotta make sure my husband and my children are out and then we can we can start the interview gotta make sure lunches are packed and that kind of thing and it it's been such a journey to see how this scary thing, which was becoming a mom has actually helped enhance my ministry and has really helped me to become more of a servant leader. It's also helped me learn how to delegate and how to say no and how to slow down. Because when I was pregnant with Jaden, I passed out of my car because I was working Black Girls of Purpose as a job. Then I had a full-time job that had become a part-time job. And then I had another job that I was working that I felt like was going to help me with Black Girls of Purpose and this curriculum that I wanted to design. And so I was just doing the most in fear that if I didn't do anything, I was going to become nothing, you know? And so it was just I was just constantly hustling and grinding and like you said, trying to put myself out there, like, okay, well, this book's not going to sell itself. So I got to get out here. I got to do these speaking engagements. I got to put myself on social media. I got to do all this. And I, I had, God had to have a come to Jesus moment with me where he said, "Bree, this is your ministry first. And so if you're not going to focus on the ministry portion of it, then I'm just going to have you put it down for a season. And I'm going to have you come over here and focus on your family. And when I feel like you can handle the ministry part responsibly and remember that this is, a service first it's not something that you're doing to make money then we'll see you know if we want to grow this thing and and that's exactly what happened when i got back to the heart of black girls of purpose and realizing i wanted to make an impact in women's lives and wanted them to understand that their lives had meaning and this is not the end of their story then the it's almost not, it it, it became even less of the self-promotion part. And it was just like, hey, this is a service. This this is just marketing 101. And that I have this valuable offering, this valuable information that I want people to have. And if they pay me, great. If they don't, okay, because I know that I'm being taken care of on the back end. And I just think about, (laughs) I mean, I've probably given away a ton of books. I just gave away two I gave away like four books on Saturday and some people would think, girl, what are you doing? You know, you paid money to get the books printed and now you're just giving them away. But it's about that impact. It's about knowing that I'm sowing a seed in them that is going to benefit the people in their ministry and the people in their sphere of influence.
0: Well, and that's an admirable thing. The fact that, that you're able to overlook the trying to get profit off of it. The fact that you're again, I mean, it sounds like you're just, what's really interesting to me and, um, I don't know if you've like, like, cause I know when I invited you on the podcast, you were like, I took a listen to, uh, an episode, but I, I, mm-hmm. I know at some point throughout the podcast, I've talked about this on a few occasions and I love talking to people that, uh, like yourself are so dedicated to a specific cause, or mm-hmm. in this case, we'll say a cause and a religion because mm-hmm. me personally, I, 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 I identify. Sorry, I identify as like agnostic. I'm not mm-hmm. necessarily, be- like, I don't believe, but I don't disbelieve. Mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. And yeah. I, like, I love talking to people that are so firmly rooted in a belief yeah. because it just makes me feel like, hold on, like, am I doing something wrong? <laughs> like, <laughs> it, like, because like the way you talk, mm-hmm. the uh, like, it, it just sounds like. You're just so involved in this. It's like what? And I was raised Catholic, and Mm -hmm. I feel as though I feel as though it was because I was sort of pushed to do, uh, like every Wednesday there was a school that I had to go Mm -hmm. to for like an hour. Yeah, you know, I feel as though it was probably because of that that it just Mm -hmm. sort of turned me off to the whole idea of religion, quote unquote. Yeah, for sure. When you hear someone say that, like when you hear me say that, what is that? Trigger inside you.
1: I mean, it, I I get it. It triggers compassion because I had a I shared. I, I was born and raised in the church, and 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 we went to a Baptist church. And I remember my dad. I I think I was with somebody, and they said, "Well, what are you?" And I said, "Baptist." And my dad, you know, he didn't embarrass me in the moment, but later he said, "Baby, don't tell people that you're Baptist. You go to a Baptist church, but you're a Christian. You follow Christ." And so I said, "Okay." And so I remember, you know, just having that in my mind as I as I grew up and I'm so glad because over the course of the the I mean my life I've gone to different churches but the the foundation has been Christ and in our church in New Orleans we went to a Baptist church but then we went to a non-denominational church and so having so many different experiences with church and like you saying religion I um I get it because it was the same thing for me. When I was younger, it was like Sunday is church. What uh, What do you mean? Like we're going to Sunday school and then we're going to be at church and then that's going to be it and then we're probably going to be there on Wednesday and then my dad was in the music ministry, so he he played guitar. He's still in the music ministry today, so I'd be at the church all the time for rehearsals and then our church owned a school and so, uh, you know, we had chapel on Wednesday. Like literally, we didn't. I didn't know anything else. It was very sheltered. And I remember they turned our, uh, our school into a charter school. And I remember this guy, this boy, he cursed the first year they turned out to a charter school. And th- this charter was, you know, like a government backed school where they took children who had been put out of other schools, which is different than some of the charters that they have now. But I remember this guy, he had cursed out our principal. And that was my first time ever hearing curse words. And I just thought like, oh, my God. Like what's going on? This is not how we were raised. You know, just very, like I said, sheltered. And I'm grateful for the foundation that I had, because I did have a point when I got to college where it wasn't so much of, "Okay, God, I'm done with you. But I was just like, hey, God, thanks for getting me to this point. I think I got it from here. You know, and so I did have a season where I wasn't really going to church. I was in the gospel choir at my in my college, but I mean, to be real, like we were in gospel choir on Sunday and we were drinking on Saturday, you know, and even for me, like drinking wasn't as much of a thing. It was more so just going out and partying and, you know, just dancing because I I still love to dance like whatever. God knows that about me. (laughs) And so um, just thinking about, I just got to a point where I said, I need to make sure I believe this for myself, right? I don't want to just believe because my grandma believed and my mom believed. And My whole family will tell you, everybody, um, our church always says you can't get into heaven like riding on the coattails of your family's religion. You have to have a relationship for yourself. And really the day that I developed a true relationship for God, with God, was actually in college in, this was my sophomore year of college. So you're noticing a trend here, sophomore year of, of high school when I was suicidal for the first time and then sophomore year of college, I really had a moment where I said, okay. I believe in Jesus Christ for myself. And what had triggered that was that I had met this guy and was absolutely convinced that he was my husband. I just thought, yes, this is him. And I told him, Eddie, I said, I really feel like the Lord told me you're my husband. And so he laughed. And I, you know, that should have been a trigger for me to say, you know what, girl, probably not him. But I was like, no, he just don't see it yet. This is going to be a part of our testimony. We're going to get married one day and I'm going to tell people, y'all, he didn't think he was my husband. But there he is. Look, got him, you know, and was just so enthralled with this idea of marriage. And so I remember it was the it was Christmas break of my sophomore year and he called me up and he said, hey, Brie. Um, I'm thinking about asking this girl to be my girlfriend. And so I thought to myself, okay, he's trying to be cute and like play it off. And so I said, okay, cute. That's okay. So tell me a little bit about her. And so he starts talking he's describing her and, you know, I'm going to change the name for, you know, for privacy or whatever. But he's like, yeah, her name is Tiffany. And I'm thinking, wait, my name is Uh, Brittany. Like, So, and within seconds, Eddie, I have to process, okay, wait, he's not talking about me. He's talking about someone else. I'm within seconds, fast enough for me to be able to respond to him and say, oh my gosh, really? I love Tiffany. I didn't know you were interested in dating Tiffany. And so I go off on this tangent and I tell him all the things he should do. You should get her some flowers and I'm sure she would like this and I'm just playing it off completely. And so we get off the phone And I just burst into tears and I'm just crying. And I'm just, it was literally dark in my room. And I can, I seriously can still picture it. And just, I just remember telling God, I said, I'm so sick of being people's second choice. And he said, you're not my second choice. You're my first choice. And he said, I have called you chosen. I have called you royalty. And, and that's based off scripture, First Peter 2 and 9, that talks about how we're a chosen priesthood, a, a, a chosen people in a, a royal priesthood. And so I say, you know what, God, if you're choosing me first and nobody else is choosing me, friends aren't choosing me first, guys aren't choosing me first, then forget it. I'm going with you. I know I haven't been the most loyal to you before, but that changes as of today. You know, effective immediately. You have my heart. I'm not worried about what everybody else is doing because I've tried it with everybody else. I've done the things that people say you should do to feel better. I've tried to date the guys. I've tried to be friends with the cool girls and that has gotten me nowhere. It's 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 broken my heart. I, I literally feel like I'm shattered right now. And you're the only one based on what I know because of, of how I've been raised. You're the only one who can put me back together again. And so I don't know what that looks like. But here's my broken pieces. Literally, here is my heart. And you just, you do with it what you will. And literally, my life wasn't the same after that.
0: In a good way. Yeah, in in, and okay. in the
1: best way possible. Because it became it became as if I was living for an audience of one. And I was like, you know what, God, if you're pleased with me, then I'm really not pressed about what other people say because even on this side, Eddie, of of years of being grounded in my faith and being as confident as I am. And you know, you talked about that, that passion and stuff that you hear, that comes from being talked about or lied on or whatever and saying, you know what, okay, that's what y'all are saying, but here's what God says about me. Because I've had people say, things and i've had to say god this is what they're saying is that is that who i am and he'd be like no that's not you and i'm like okay god well because i always look at god as my first boo before my husband i'm like okay well my boo my first boo he says that i'm good so I hear what y'all are saying, but I'm going to go with him because his opinion is what matters more than anything else. Because at the end of the day, you're always going to have critics. Even if you're doing fantastic work, it doesn't matter. You're literally helping orphans and the homeless and people will have something to critique. I mean, I was watching Kobe Bryant's memorial service yesterday and on, on Facebook Live. And I'm just looking at comments from people and they're just talking about him. And I was just like, are you serious? Literally in his grave, y'all have something negative to say? wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it just shows you can't, you can't live for people. Cause when you're, when you're on your mountaintops, they're cheering for you. And then when you're in your low moments and they're talking about you. And so it's like, okay, well, who are you going to live for? Are you going to live for this, 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 this fleeting thing? Or are you going to live for what God says will follow you into eternity?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Humans are so incredibly flawed. Yeah. So flawed. And I think one of those flaws is something like that, that, that I'm experiencing where I'm a very, this is something like, like this is why it's hard for me to believe is it's, it's mm-hmm. I'm a, if I can touch it, mm-hmm. if I, if I feel it, you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I, I sense it with my fingertips or I can feel it around me. Then I, then I call it real. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, it's really hard. And I know there's a lot of people out there. It's, it's hard for us to disconnect the fact that we, like you can 't necessarily feel a a a god right yeah. you 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 can't touch him the way you're touching a window or yeah. your glasses when you put them on whatever yeah. it's 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 really hard for people to, to like to make that disconnect and be like yeah, yeah well that it, just because you can't see air doesn 't mean it's not there like that's yeah. always the the popular comeback but it just- <laughs> it's you know it honestly i'm just jealous like i Mm -hmm. i i I wish i could you know find that and maybe one day i will i have a lot of friends in my life that uh that 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 are telling me you know eddie like you know like the clock is ticking dude and you know if if you don't find them, you're not getting in. And like, I'm just like, Whoa, whoa, hold on. (laughs) Like, I'm just trying to be a good person here. Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. just because I don't necessarily believe like, uh, hopefully, when my time comes, and I get there, it's sort of like, there's some forgiveness going on. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, um, I always make the thing like, if that happens, and I get to the pearly gates, and I'm not allowed in, then I just say, Well, look, I, you didn't give me enough time to believe you didn't Mm -hmm. give me enough time to believe give me a few (laughs) more years. (laughs) <laughs> and I and and I would have found you, but uh, you know it's it's tricky. But I love what you're doing with 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 Black Girls with Purpose. And um, you said that you do you continue to speak, or like at the beginning it sounded like you yes. might have. Okay.
1: okay. Yes. So God has finally opened up the doors again, praise the Lord, because I'm like, Lord, I just want to talk to people. I just want to tell them about you. But honestly, the way he opened it is it, the way he started it is is really through the podcast or the Black Girls of Purpose podcast. Um, I started that in 2018. And my intention, because when I wrote the book, I had actually started interviewing different women and just asking them, like, what does it mean to you to be a black girl's a purpose, to be a black girl with purpose? Pretty much doing what Essence did, but for my own platform, right? And telling these women's stories. And so I was having these conversations with these women, and I would just I would just transcribe them and put them on my blog. And it was the spring of 2018. And one of the women I interviewed, she said, Brie, this is a podcast. And I said, oh, okay. And and I had thought about making it, I had thought about making Black Girls the Purpose a podcast anyway. I didn't know what that would look like. But when she said it, I said, you know, there might be something to that. And the thing I loved is that the conversations I was having with these women were so rich. And I said, Yeah, I mean, you can't really read, Oh, she laughed right there, or we cried right here. You can't read that. And so that's the thing that I liked about the podcast. Is I said, Okay, if I interview these women, people can really hear our interactions and just the natural conversation. And so I started the podcast thinking that it was gonna be weekly or monthly interviews with these women and it ended up being a weekly bible study and so it's funny because i remember taking this class on how to speak and you know you do your opening story and then you do your three points and you do your closing story and when i listen to my podcast episodes i'm like bruh this is me speaking Every single week, I, I've become a very great speaker or orator because I've I've learned how to speak on this podcast, and so I firmly believe in this year that God's going to open up more doors for me to to speak to people in person, right? Not just on my podcast, but doing different events and being being invited to places to speak. And I do have some events that I'm planning for Black of purpose as well. And so it's just been interesting to see how, again, going back to that obedience, I thought I was starting it to do to feature more women when in actuality, God was preparing me for this speaking career that I know that I'm going to have.
0: And what's the single greatest piece of feedback that you've gotten from doing Black Girls With Purpose? Like the one thing that stands out to you the most that someone has reached out to you and said, look, because of you, this, this happened. I know that might be hard to kind of pinpoint one.
1: Yeah, that's such a good question. I will, I'll say, so we, ha- we held a conference for Black Girls With Purpose in 2017. And I had the expectation that 200 women were going to come. So I was preparing for 200 women. And about 75 came, which is still phenomenal in the fact that we had no you know, audience. We didn't have a, I think a, if we had an Instagram, I think I had 80 followers on Instagram. Um, and I, cause I had just started the Instagram just for the book signing. And then I didn't do anything else with it. And I had actually forgot about it until someone tagged that page. And I was like, what is this going to? And went back and saw that I had posted a few flyers from the book signing on it. So anyway, 2017, we held a conference for women. And at that conference, I met my mentee, who's now like one of my little sisters and her name is destiny and I met her. And when the conference ended, um, I asked people if they needed prayer. And so they came up and prayed with some of the leaders and she came up and prayed with me. I would never met her before. I just remember just being just, just so taken aback with how beautiful she was and just how she just had such a, a, a meek spirit. And so we prayed together and, um, you know, that was it. I just, I, I saw her around church every now and again. I'm like, hey girl, what's up? You know, so we're glad we got to connect with you at the, the conference and that that sort of thing. And so anyway, three months after the conference, I actually ended up baptizing her at our church and um, have really, have really continued to walk with her as she walks with God over the past few years. And So I would say like if when I think about impact, I think about destiny because now she has her own ministry called uh, This is Grace. And she shares her various testimonies because she's been through so much. She's been through um, domestic violence situations. She's been through abuse, abusive situations. She was homeless at one point. And so seeing her do what I did in terms of sharing her pain and showing how God birthed purpose through her pain is just so tremendous to me because a lot of times she'll say oh my gosh for you know i i wish i could just have like a a a piece of what you give. And I'm like, girl, you're going to do greater st- things than I do cuz God didn't raise me up to encourage you so you could do just as good as what I do. He wants you to do even better than me. And scripture talks about how we'll do even greater works than Jesus did. And so that's what I tell her all the time. So when I think about one person, I absolutely think about Destiny and I always tease. I say, God, we had to throw her a whole conference. I couldn't have just taken her to coffee or something, <laughs> but right. I mean it's just <laughs> it just it's just that's how much God loves loves us and that he knows. He's like, yeah, coffee's not going to work for destiny. She needs a whole experience. <laughs> she needs to really understand like that this was for her. And so when I think about, yeah, the single most, most like the, the, the pinnacle of what we've been able to do with black girls of purpose in the ministry, I definitely think about destiny. And I, and I just, I always talk about the fact that her name is destiny, right? I mean, just to have, that kind of calling on her life i know she's going to be able to impact so many women and i'm just grateful for the role that we've been able to play in her life so far and the role that she's going to play in the people who are coming behind her
0: that's awesome that's awesome and, and something i love about you is the way that it, like you when you recount things and you you really give off the vibe like you're having on like like an actual conversation with god like like mm-hmm. you're like I'm talking to him, but like yeah. that's how you feel, right, like you feel yeah. as though you're having like what we're doing right now,
1: yeah, yeah, and it's it's great, like that fellowship, and it really goes back to that relationship versus religion, and a lot of people they they hear that and're like God talks to you, and I'm like yeah, he does, he really does it's it it doesn't sound you know like this booming echoing voice, but that's happened maybe twice and and all the times that i in the all the years that I followed Jesus. Uh, but it it it's people say, well, how do you know you're hearing from God? And I just say, he he proves it to be it proves to be him, right? Like you can tell it's him because the things the things you he said to you they happen. And um, for people who are like, well, I don't know, will God talk to me? Just ask him. Just say, God, I want to hear from you. Bree, talking about you, real? I want to see if you're really real. So just tell me. You know, just say something or show me something and he'll do it because he loves to he loves to interact with us. We're his creations. And you just think about, you know, even if you're someone who. Has a garden or something you like spending time with your with your flowers or you like or my husband he loves to cook, and so thinking about you know these creations, how we talked about the book, writing a book and and seeing your your finished work in the same way you continue to cultivate a relationship and you take care of those things even you think about your children, all these different relationships that you continue to pour things into God wants that for us. Like that's literally why he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. So he can have a relationship with us. He didn't want to just be in heaven and be alone and be like, you know, okay, well, you got the father, son, the Holy spirit. We got everything we need. He said, man, I really want to be in relationship and have fellowship with these beings. And so he will speak to you clearly. If you ask him, you say, God, I don't know what Bree talked about. I want to, like I said, I want to hear you for myself. So say something to me, and I promise. And and he'll speak to you in such a way that it'll be so catered to you specifically. Like the way he would speak to you, Eddie, is completely different than the way he would speak to me. The way he speaks to my husband is different the way than the way he speaks to my mom or my dad. And so that's what I love about him. And I think as a parent, I can appreciate that that much more because I see that the way that I talk to my son, Jaden, is not the same way that I talk to my son, Jonathan, because I know that they. Were a to different things and so he's this he's that careful in how he cares for us and how he speaks to us because he wants to say i don't want you to doubt that you're hearing from me
0: but you can't have an on and off relationship right like you can't be like all right look because now my life's not going right hey now i'll talk to you right it 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 sort of has to be a like a like a dedication kind of thing you have to be dedicated to it
1: yeah so so there's there's a there's a There's a there are two sides to that. I'll say in terms of staying in fellowship with God. Yes, you definitely have to be dedicated to it. And when I say fellowship, I mean that the more you speak to him and the more he speaks to you and the more you listen to him, he's going to continue to give you instructions. Right. I think about uh, a parent going back to parenting. If you tell your child, put that put that fork back and they just keep ignoring you, eventually you stop talking because you say, hey, you don't want to listen, so I'm not going to say anything. But when they follow your instructions, then you give them more instructions. And so from that side of things, yeah, I would say it's important for you to keep that dedication with God. But what I, what I will also say is that even when you get to a point and 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 scripture backs this up, if you look at Luke 15, it talks about the prodigal son, which is a very common parable, but he, it gives this example of this son who goes to his father and he says, Hey, I want to get my I want to get my wealth from you right now. I know you haven't died, but I want my inheritance. I'm gonna take it. So he takes it and he spends it on his his own uh, selfish living. They call it wild living in some translations. And he just goes and he does whatever he wants. And eventually he 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 comes to the end of his rope. He doesn't have anything. He's literally considering uh, eating the same food that he's feeding these pigs. And scripture says that he came to himself and he said, Wow, my serve, my, my father's servants are eating better than I am. I'm just going to go back to God and I'm, I'm going to go back to my dad who represents God. He says, I'm going to go back to my dad and I'm just going to be a servant. I'm not going to ask to be a son because I, I know I've messed that up, but I'm just going to be a servant. And so I'm going to go to him. I'm going to be a servant and at least I'll have some, a good meal. And scripture talks about how. When he came back, the father saw him while he was a long way off and he ran to him. And that is such a perfect picture of how it is with our relationship with God, that even if you've been in a relationship with God and you walked away from God, he is so amazing in that the moment that you turn back to him, he's already running after you. And he's like, oh my gosh, Eddie, I'm so glad you're here. Scripture talks about how it says that they're gonna throw him a celebration and they're like, get him some sandals on his feet. Put a new robe on him because he excite he 's excited to have fellowship with us so when i when you say you know well do you have to be dedicated to get the most out of your relationship with God in the same way to get the most out of your relationship with your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your children, you want to be dedicated and have that commitment but God is that's what's so amazing about God and how he 's different from your From anybody you're going to meet. If you were in a relationship with somebody and you didn't talk to them for three years, uh, I'm not really sure, you know, the the status of that relationship. If you just call them up and you're like, Hey boo, sorry, I haven't talked to you for three years, but like, you know, can we get together for dinner? They probably, they might've blocked your number. You know, I'm not sure how it's going to go for you, but God is so amazing. And that as you pick up the phone and you call him, it literally rings one time and he's like, Oh my gosh, Eddie, it's you. I'm so glad you called. And you're thinking, really? You've been waiting for me to call you because he literally delights to have a relationship with his children. And so, yes, it does take that dedication to continue to grow in fellowship. But even if you're in a situation where one, you've never known God and you want to get to know God, he's so compassionate that he wants to have a relationship with you. Or if you've known God and you walked away from him, because like you said, things do get hard, because I have had so many hard seasons in my life where I've been tempted to say, you know what, God? tried to do it your way. That didn't really work out for me. So I'm going to go over here and do my own thing. But because of the foundation that I have with him and the relationship that I have with him, I know that I would rather endure hardships with God than try and endure hardships without God.
0: (sighs) I love it. Uh, Like I, uh, you you, trust me, you are in the right area when you, when, when you call yourself a speaker, because you have a way, you just have a way of, of, and I'm sure people listening as well, that might be in my boat. Like if, if you're converting people, like that's, that's awesome because you yeah. just have this, you have this spark in this, this live wire inside of you. That's just <laughs> infectious. It really is. Um, and I look, I hope, I hope it happens. Like I really hope it happens one of these days. It's just, yeah. uh it's just tricky. It's really yeah. tricky, but um I guess to kind of wrap it up here because I've, I didn't even check the time and we've already gone past an hour, but, um, do you, do you feel as though you're living in the right time? Like the way the world is, do you feel as though you were, you were born in the right time to do what you want to do? Or do you feel as though maybe I should have been on this earth for 20 more years prior do you feel as though like the world like the state of the world is so like cuz like you were saying about the Kobe Bryant thing it's just mm-hmm. chaos like like it's so chaotic and it's do you feel like it's harder to get your message across or do you feel it's easier because of the the chaoticness of it all
1: Yeah I think I think it is easier Eddie I really do I mean between the technology even the fact that you and I are able to talk right two different time zones different I mean even the fact that Anchor is an app that you can use to do your pot. You know, just just when I think about that, I think about that. I, 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 I truly feel like God has birthed me in this season to help with the advancement of the gospel because we're not... We're not battling with the same restrictions that we used to have. And, you know, I have a a t-shirt on our website and it says everywhere you walk is your mission field. And I firmly believe that because I've seen how people will travel to other countries and spread the gospel, but they won't even share the gospel with their neighbor. And so for me, I feel like I've been uniquely positioned in this generation to be able to be that light, right? And have that spark that you're talking about, because a lot of people are looking for that. They're not necessarily like, oh, I'm looking for God, but they're looking for something different and they are looking for light in a time of darkness. And so scripture talks about how things will get worse before they get better, but it's an opportunity for us as Christians to shine our light, literally like scripture says, let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our father in heaven. I feel like because times are so dark, it is so magnificent for me to be born in this area and this age because I stand out naturally, right? Because it's just like uh, you like you. You don't even have to know I'm a Christian necessarily when you first meet me to be like there's something a little bit different about her, and there might be a part of you that's like there's something a little bit off about her. She seems a little too friendly or a little too cheery. But that's what's so amazing too about my testimony. When I tell people that I used to be suicidal, they have such a hard time remembering or thinking about that because they like you. You who cannot be quiet, you who have a story for everything, you who will do a pop-up on somebody and and loves talking about community and loves connecting with people, you thought about killing yourself, you thought about ending your life, and I say yes. And that's why it's so amazing because it's like if God can take that little girl that at the age of fifteen, and turn her from someone who was suicidal to now someone who is positioned to encourage other people to live and to live purposefully. Then, what much more, like how much more can he do with you in your life? And and that's why I think it's so amazing about this time that we're in. Because like you said, we can we can we do have access to technology. I can talk to your audience. I can talk to different people's audiences. I can send out emails. I can get on Instagram Live, and it's just it's it's really amazing and so I really look at it as an advantage to be born in such a time as this and, and there's literally a passage in, in the book of Esther that talks about and, and there's a, a A man, he's talking to his cousin, Esther, and he says, who's to say you weren't born for such a time as this? And so I believe that God is continuously birthing people in this generation, even though it seems like, oh, my gosh, you know, are you sure you want to be having children right now? Well, why not? This is all the more reason to birth these other light bearers for God, because we need some light in this dark place. It's Mm -hmm. it's 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 insane how much we need it.
0: Yeah. And I love by the way, I love that. Did you do this on purpose that you named your son Jaden? Cuz Jaden Smith is Will Smith's son.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I did it. I did it. Was that life... even like,
0: like 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 were you aware of that? No,
1: no, I wasn't. It's funny my 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 husband's one of his frat brothers was like, "So your son is named Jaden Smith." And I <laughs> was like, "No, no, no." So <laughs> Jaden's name means God has heard. And so that's why I named him Jaden um because I prayed so much during my pregnancy with him and I felt like God heard my prayers and so that's why his name is named uh that's why his name is Jaden and our 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 youngest son Jonathan his name means God has given or God is, is given uh, God's gift and so you know we were just very intentional about their names because I know that names have meaning even my name Brianna it means no one exalted and it's funny because when I I used to introduce myself as Brie, um, and then one day God said, Can you look up the definition of a brief for me? And I was like, Oh, yeah, sure, no problem. So I looked it up and it meant a lowly marshland. And I just I kind of sat with that for a minute and I just thought, lowly marshland. That's literally the opposite of what my name means. And so I started introducing myself as Brianna. And people, it's funny because I have friends who are like, well, so can I not call you Brie anymore? I'm like, no, you can still call me Brie. I just introduce myself as who I am, my identity, which is noble and exalted. I want to make sure that when I walk into a room, people know who it is that they're dealing with, not from a place of, oh, look at me, I'm popping. But like, this is who God created me to be. And I want people to see that, to, to have that same sense of identity when they enter into a room where they walk into it and they say, hey, I'm noble, I'm exalted, I'm royalty, not because of even my name. Even if you have a name that doesn't mean something significant, God can give you a new name. He did it all throughout the Bible. And so I'm very intentional about names. I love, I love, uh finding out people the significance behind people's names and so yeah no not at all any semblance to Jaden Smith or anything <laughs>
0: just
1: just happen to just happen to look upon that. So I wonder if they even know uh what Jaden means or right. a reason why they did that. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Well look Brietta um where can uh because I'll have everything in the show notes, but just in case people don't I don't know look at the show notes, where like is the best place For people to go to continue with this journey to see where Black Girls What Purpose and you. Uh, go next.
1: Yes. So uh, we're both, uh, I'm very active on Instagram. So you can follow the Black Girls of Purpose page on Instagram at Black Girls of Purpose. And then if you want to follow me personally, you can follow me at the Black Girl of Purpose on Instagram. And then I'm obviously all about building community. So I've been working on this free community guide because, you know, if, if there's somebody who listened to this and they said, hey, I am in a toxic relationship, you know, friendship, and I want to build strong community. Where should I go? Actually I've been working on a free guide for that. And so if people want to download that guide, they want to find out how to get into a good community. They can go to black girls of purpose podcast.com forward slash community.
0: Awesome. I loved it. And I loved having you on because your, your name means noble. I think you are noble. I think that you're, uh, a very bright spot in a chaotic time, like I said, and um, I want to stay in touch with you. And uh, I can't wait to see where your journey takes you because it's just having you on for this hour and some change has been, a, has been a phenomenal time. So thank you so much for coming on and, and putting aside some time to come on.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me, Eddie. I really appreciate it.